RTE Radio 1. The legendary Dion Morick returns. Dion Morick, don't make me over tour. Live at Vicker Street, May 22nd, and extra show May 23rd, added by demand. I say a little prayer for you. Tickets available now. Dion Morick. Brought to you by Singular Artists. Music updates on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Now we're joined in the studio by Dr. John Cooper Clark. Good afternoon. Hello, Ray. Uh, a doctor of literature, um, of life. W- well, uh, I, I've always thought of myself as a general practitioner, <laughs> but uh, I've had a few complaints. So, have it your way, Ray. Doctor of literature, it is. <laughs> Good to see you. Uh, uh, fans of yours will be delighted to know that you're touring the country in May. May. Yes. Uh, so Tuesday the fourteenth, uh, you're in the Olympia Theatre. Then you're in Dolan's Warehouse down in Limerick. You're up to Galway, over to Kilkenny, back over to Cork, uh, and uh, you're also up the north as well. And I see you're in uh, uh, Seamus Heaney home place in yes. May as well, up up in Derry. Um, right. You've loads of fans here. That's nice to know. Yeah. That's nice to know. The Irish have always been very appreciative of poetry through the ages, I've always found. Mm. Very encouraging. So, Seamus Heaney, have you have you played there before? No, it was arranged uh, just before the pandemic, actually. We, we had it arranged, but obviously it all had to go on the... Uh, on the side shelf for a little while there for uh, obvious reasons, health-related reasons. As a doctor, I couldn't recommend its <laughs> continuance. <laughs> of course. Uh, do you do you read other people's poetry? Like uh, Not so much, no. I'll be honest with you, not so much now, no, really. I, I was mad on it at school and, uh, you know, I read uh, read my fill. But uh, I, I do keep, I, I keep track of my contemporaries, if that's what you mean. I, I, absolutely, I do, yeah. And uh, but that's more from a competitive aspect than really a kind of uh, relax and enjoy it. You know, uh, I mean, for instance, you know, we, myself, uh, and uh, a kind of regular gang of poets have been selling out large theatres in the, all over the place, actually. Uh, and the other people being uh, Mike Gary, um, Luke Wright. Toria Garbutt and Claire Ferguson Walker and a couple of other special guests over the over the years, uh, <clears throat> and uh, I don't really watch their acts. I'll be honest with you. You know, uh, what's the, what's the worst thing that could happen if I watch them? You'd the be jealous. Thing, they'd be the worst thing that could happen is they're good. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't want to be so mean-spirited as to wish defeat upon my contemporaries, but uh, I'm sufficiently paranoid about my uh, position at the top of the heap. <laughs> even at <laughs> this stage in your life, it. even at this stage, because you celebrated your 50, your, your 50, your 75th birthday in January. That's right. Is that a big? Is that a big one for you? Well, it stopped. Age stopped being a big. The, the, I've, ju- I've just mentioned this earlier, but a, age uh, stopped being an issue. With the only time I got, sh- I, I got kind of uh, shirty about getting old was when I was sixty-four. I, I'm not having a birthday this year. I thought I'm going to obliterate it. I'm not going to be sixty-four. I'm not going to go three hundred and sixty-five days with somebody in my face singing pop. When I'm 64. I didn't like it. It's the one track by the Beatles I don't like. I didn't like it when I was 16. 
And I liked, I liked it even less when I was 64, you know, all that, you know. Yeah. So the horrors of age. It's but just a number. It's, it's, it's a great number. to be around. It's yeah, great, I yeah. don't care. Now, now I've got 64 out of the way. The rest of it's a doddle. And I feel like the same guy I've always been, to be honest. You know, I still dress the same. I've got all of my organs are intact. Touch wood. Thank God. Thank God almighty. And what about what's going on in the head? Oh, they, you, you're wondering about... Now, this is a big worry of mine. You know, I've taken to wearing uh, these uh, fabulous caps that I get sent in from No, I don't, I'm not, I don't. I'm not worrying about your is hair. That, that, no, no. Uh, actually, yeah. inside your head. Oh, no, I thought you were worried that I'd fallen victim to male pattern baldness <laughs> no. and was paranoid about it. <laughs> well, that's... Uh, it's, it's a natural concern, you know, that a natural concern when, uh, you know, when a pop star suddenly becomes a hat shop habitually <laughs> everybody jumps to the uh, conclusion that you've uh, <laughs> you know that you've gone bald oh uh, yeah I'm comfortable having said, I'm having said that Ray yeah. Yeah. Though, you know I can see you I'm not having a go <laughs> If you think about it, and I'm sure you'll you'll agree with me here, Ray, there's never been a better time to go bald. In, well, it, yeah, because it, now it yeah, just but, looks like a style option. Yeah, yeah, it looks yeah. like you know I'll go I'll go down the Stanley Tucci route. Well, Even I, if you're a chick. When I pointed to my head, I wasn't referring to how her suit oh, well, or I'm, not I'm very were. superficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you probably gathered that deep down. Deep down, I'm shallow. In your in your head, are you tw- are you 25? Is that the age you're in your no, head? No, I don't think I, I don't feel like a, a young man. I no. never have. Oh right. I didn't feel like a young man when I was a young man. You know, I'm not really a, the the uh, athletic type, for instance. I've always been a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, a shrinking violet, you know, with my little uh, poetry fetish. You know, I'm an indoor kind of guy. Right. Anybody that comes from Manchester is. You know, it's, it rains every day. Mm. So unless you're the kind of hard, hard nut type. Uh, I have to remind people, we played uh, the Arctic Monkeys at the top of the show. That's the beginning of the show. Uh, I want to be yours. Uh, their music, your lyrics, uh, 1.8 billion streams on Spotify. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Incre- you couldn't engineer that to happen, you know. They, I would never have imagined that my lyrics would be familiar to that many people. When, we get into, when I get into the car with my 17-year-old daughter... Uh, precisely. She straight to, uh, people, I want to be yours. And people of all ages, you know, uh, when we're working in the summer months, me and my man, Johnny Green, there, you know, we, we, tra- we you know, s- circumnavigated the globe 10 mm. times together. But whenever we're out in the, in the summer months, you know, we stay at a hotel and we're often there on a Saturday. There's usually a wedding going on when we arrive. And in every case, somebody approaches, we've just done your poem uh, at our (laughs) wedding it was even before the arctic monkeys give it their wonderful treatment it was the wedding favorite of the 21st century no question about it and how did that happen the arctic monkeys thing well we were pals before they did that you know we are i met them just before they went mega i actually met them in their hometown sheffield i was doing a show with the fall featuring the late mark smith Mm. And uh, a club called the Boardwalk in Sheffield, and uh, and uh, the proprietor, a guy called, uh, I think his name was Steve. He says, "Would you mind just uh, saying hello to this uh, young band that we uh, have uh, down here from time to time?" Uh, 
And I, I judge, like I say, I'm shallow, you know, so I, I, what are they called? I judge groups a lot by their name, you know. You know, if you, if you haven't got a good name, what's the chances your lyrics are going to be any good? Maybe it's, you can't listen to every record that comes your way. I'm not John Peel or something. You know, <laughs> so uh, I go by the name. You know, some people judge by appearances, but if you've never met them, you've only got their name to go on. So I said, yeah, what they call these lads that uh, that you're so fond of? Uh, and uh, he said, uh, Arctic monkeys. So I said, right away, that puts an image in your mind, doesn't it? You know, What's a monkey doing in the Arctic Circle? That's disgusting. You know, that's heartbreaking image. You know, Arctic monkeys. So I thought, well, that's made an impression. And it's a, it's a great name, isn't it? You could, you could imagine that in the charts. Mm. Whereas, you know, electrical banana. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah, going to be niche. Right. It's going to be niche at best. But the Arctic monkeys, I knew they were going to be mega. And then when I met them, they were just like, just, just out of school. They were just out of school. And that was the great thing about them. They had that gang thing that the Beatles had. You know, like that impregnable kind of... And he, he, he's a standout frontman, isn't he, Alex? Turner? Oh, he's fantastic, yeah. fantastic. I, I, I brought them on, I, I emceed for him in not, uh, not so long ago, last year, late last year, October, last October, in, uh, they were doing a show in uh, Queens, you know, New York, in a, in a sports stadium, 18,000. And uh, I watched the full show there. They were very, very different to the first time I saw them. Although they always seem to be total experts, you know, they can all play like hell, you know, fantastic. Mm. But, you know, the way they uh, they reinvent themselves with every passing album, you know, like, just like the Beatles, again, like the Beatles, you know. And it, Had they studied you, know, that's, you that's for their GCSEs? Um, Had they studied you? They, yes, that's how they got in, like this, that's how yes. they got to know my stuff. Right. They, uh, it was compulsory, you know, my stuff was on the GCSE syllabus, uh, which was a thrill, you know, the idea that I was being rammed down the reluctant throats of teens teenagers uh, on a daily basis was music to my ears. Is there any irony in that, since you weren't a big fan of school? I was a fan of poetry at school. Right. I loved it at school. That's uh, that's right. I, I guess I was a weird kid, you know. But so we had a very inspirational uh, English teacher for, for the last year in school. And uh, he, had a, he was a rugged outdoor guy, John Malone, and he conveyed his love of uh, romantic 19th century verse to an entire class of trainee teddy boys. You know, and uh, which... You know, that's that some feet. Some journey. So that, yeah. I think that's when I realised the, uh, the power of... Uh, yeah. Poetry to do this. You know, so, I, th- I think everybody likes it. There's, I think it's an urban myth. No, that people used to say it to me when I decided to become a professional poet. Oh, you don't want to do that. You know, it's a, it's a, a recipe for financial disaster and penury. You know, and uh, but I thought, why not? I thought, why not drag it into the show business world via rock and roll or something? And yeah, you did it. Like you know, mm. you. you, you Supported Sex Pistols, yes, Buzzcocks, Susie and the Banshees, uh-huh. The Fall, mentioned yeah. already. They were heady days. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, that's when I kind of invented myself in that world, really. Mm. Although I was doing gigs before the punk rock thing, I was working in in nightclubs, cabaret joints, kind of emceeing and doing a, a couple of area-specific area poems that I knew people would like and, and speaking bit of, of swearing, you know. Yeah, and I kind yeah, of, yeah. I, but I was kind of, because, because I was working in that, it was an adult world, you know, a young adult world of uh, na- nightlife sophisticates. That's, what, that's how I saw <laughs> it anyway. So I dressed accordingly, you know, I had short hair and I wore an Ivy League suit. 
yeah. you know, and uh, whenever at the time, this is 1975, so even your uncle Bert was wearing flares and a seed packet shirt and had grown his hair down to his shoulders. So I kind of looked like the weirdo for a little while there in my, uh, yeah. you know, uh, 1958. Is that 1975? Brooks like, Brothers suit. They were called up to 50 years then, 50 years or more. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, making a living out of poetry. Yeah, yeah. They said I couldn't do it, you yeah. know, and then I would say to them, well, what about, you know, uh, Philip Larkin? Well, he's a librarian, you know. Uh, you know. I mentioned all these people and they all had other jobs. So nobody makes a living out of poetry. But I, then I would cite people like uh, from the music hall years, you know, Harry Champion, Gus Ealing, and later on Stanley Holloway, who took it into the 20th century. You know, there were always these monologue artists on the periphery of show business. So I I sort of thought there must be, maybe there's a place for me on uh, there. Uh, And Pam Ayres was an influence Pam, big inspiration. Because I I could point to, at the time when people were saying, you know, that's a loser's job. You know, I could point to Pam, who was winning, uh, uh, she made her debut on Opportunity Knox with Huey Green. And uh, it was, whatever you think of that show, it was democratic, you know, it was that they had the clapometer for a bit of fun in the studio. But it was you, the voters at home that count and week after week after week after week they were voting Pam back in yeah. understandably you know she's um, good at what she does so there must have been tough times over the years and I know you, you went through addiction and all that and you couldn't write at the time um, and you needed money I, I heard you say somewhere you did a commission once for uh, an Ideal Homes exhibition. So oh, that was when I was at school, actually. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 I did that one at school. We, we got a school newspaper. It was a, a revolutionary idea at the time, you know. And I was sent to report back on the Ideal Homes exhibition. Uh, so I wrote a poem about it. Right. I can't remember. I, I wish I could remember how it went. You could write it, nobody yeah, I, I could re- I could write it again, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Could, it's yeah. a great subject. It's a great subject, especially then in 1962, when there was do, a lot of new do stuff Do you do commissions? In. Do you do commissions? Yeah, sure I do, yeah, yeah. All, right. all, the, all the time, yeah. All right. Yeah, okay, yeah. And I would people ring you up and go, uh, John, can you do me something like I want to be yours? Well, i tell you what I do uh, lately. The, the commissions I take now are really for adverts, advertising jingles, which... <laughs> I love to do that. I mean, that is the greatest practice you can have as a poet. You know, it's uh, you've got thirty seconds. Yeah. You've got a certain a certain amount of information to impart with uh, with style and and or humour. So that's a really rigid brief, but it's not restrictive. You know, it kind of you get focused in, and it's it's great stuff. I've come out. Some of my best stuff has been. For adverts, Ad but jingles. sometimes I'm too honest, Ray. I'll give you an example. <laughs> I was uh, I was given a job for a a, fir- a, a gin miller. Uh, I don't. I'm not going to tell no. you. Which, I'm not going to tell you which one it was. Out of the million gin millers there are in the world today, I mean, have you seen the gin menus in the English bars? I don't know what it's like in Ireland, but Similar. in England, it's gin this, gin that, gin the other. And uh, so I got this uh, this job for a, a particular brand of gin, which I won't mention, but I'll give you an example why. And, but they didn't have it. It was too honest because obviously they want to promote responsible drinking. <laughs> well, that, I didn't do that. Mine went like this. I did I did them a year's supply of 30-second jingles and they said, no, we can't use any of them. And uh, I'll give you a couple of instances. <laughs> uh, when the afternoon is... When the work... It, when... Uh, 
when the working week is wearing thin and the afternoon gets under your skin, it's 5.30 somewhere, let the evening begin with... Gin. Chin, chin. Gin. I even did them a Christmas special. Christmas is coming, better get some in. No, no, notify your next of kin. Christmas is coming, better get some in. Say goodbye to self-discipline with... <laughs> Jen. But here's, the, here's my favourite. Right, this is my favourite. Sorry about this. You're on a roll. No, you're on a roll. All right. This is my favourite. It wouldn't have any of these because yeah. it was too. It was all around getting drunk. Yes. Which of course, heaven, but heaven forbid. You know, if you don't want to get drunk, what you're doing? What you're doing drinking any kind of gin? Anyway, I could be all day. Don't get me started on this. Same no, no, I, I'd love to have but, a chat with you about that. But, but it, listen to this one. Right. This is the. This is my favourite. At the public bar of any welcoming inn. He's the geezer with the goofy grin. What got him into the state he's in? Gin. <laughs> it's your first question. If you go in a pub early doors and somebody's already off their face, what do you say to the barmaid? Oh, man. What, what do they have? What, 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 what he's having, isn't it? Yeah. We've run out of time. The, like, Sorry about this. No, you didn't no, get a word in edge. No, no, but that's, I'm delighted. Uh, what <laughs> is the name of your new book? It's, and we didn't get to... Yes, it's called... He's not asking me what is the name no, of no, my new book, the... by the way, listener. <laughs> the name of my new book <laughs> is... What? <laughs> and John Cooper Clark is all over the country. Uh, and the next time you're around, would you drop in? Yeah. Great to see you, John Cooper <laughs> nice Clark. One, Steve. Legend. Nice uh, one, kids. Nice <laughs> one, Ray. Uh, Sarah and Cormac are on drive time. We are back tomorrow at three o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday evening. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1.